The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora katoa, and welcome to Business is Boring. Did you know 45% of fresh fruit and veggies grown in New Zealand are rejected as imperfect and don't enter the food system, instead becoming compost or landfill? Pieces that are too large, small, misshapen, or too ripe. Wendy Show discovered the size of this problem when, at the beginning of the first COVID lockdown, she was helping her family friend, a market gardener, move tomatoes that would otherwise have gone to waste. Since those first moves, selling through Shopify and WeChat, Wendy has grown perfectly imperfect to be a charity with hundreds of volunteers that glean thousands of kilograms of food that would go to waste, connecting it to people through food boxes, to suppliers of things like cauliflower ice cream, and sharing the mission to reduce food waste of perfectly good and perfect food. Wendy joins us now to chat the mission, the problem, and her approach to innovating solutions. Tamakwe, thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me over. Aha! Hey, so tell us, how did you get into, tell us how you kind of discovered the world of gleaning and, and food waste problems? Well, first it was the first night of a lockdown. So I got a call from um, my best girlfriend um, because she grew the tomatoes and suddenly has nothing moving to the um, pack house. Simple as that, started. And uh, a couple of days later, um, we're able to sell everything. Um, but it got me thinking why this has happened in the first place. You know, the perfect tomatoes was supposed to be delivered to the supermarket and the supermarket still open then what is going on so i started researching around entire food system what is that and how we designed it and discovered um the food system is is kind of like linear and uh, they only take what is good to sell. And the tricky part, they even have the market standard for every single produce. Like, you know, tomatoes has to be run in perfect shapes. But that seems like that's not right for me. Yeah. So it's all those questions I have in my head as like why food cannot be sell and then become like the food that we want to eat and never existed. 
did you have much to do with c- the commercial side of food before this? Yeah, I grew up in restaurant because my dad is chef. And uh, 20 years ago, when we first came to New Zealand, he opens a restaurant called New Flavors Restaurant on Domino Road. And that was big thing. Um, and it's famous by knowing his dumplings. Mm. And for the Chinese people, you can dumplings everything. You just can dumplings everything. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's not a, a simple cuisine. It's a way to eat your food, like hot pot. You can hot pot everything. Um, so they kind of like a stack with me when I read the newspaper about that zucchini farms of the North Kirikiri. Um, Brett was calling on the news, say, over 100 tons of zucchini growing in the marrows. So they're going to rot in the ground and just simply ask for people to harvest and eat them afterward. Um, and I look at those marrows, it seems like delicious. I'm sure they can be dumplings. Mm-hmm. So the next day, the whole families went up to Kiara Kiri, and 30 minutes later, we're gathering over 600 kilo zucchinis on the marrow size. Um, with, with all the kids, you know, the youngest one was only three years old back then. And, um, everyone has a joy. Didn't seem like too hard to, you know, accomplish anything that delicious next day to turn to dumplings. (laughs) Yeah. And is that something like, um, you know, as you started to understand the scale of the problem that there was, Mm -hmm all of this food going to waste. I mean, when, when you know, zucchinis have turned to marrow, you know, that's a really obvious example, right? But paint us a bit of a picture what you started to discover about how much of what a, a farmer grows or a market gardener grows doesn't ever make it to the supermarket just because of being too ripe or a different yeah. shape or it's kind of bananas, right? Yeah, so typical example we can think about is... Um, cabbage families like a broccoli and a cauliflowers because those things growing the summer season was extremely hard if you have your own garden you know during the summer season the heat which is causing lots of problems with the brussel and um also another protein issues you know the white flies um and for broccoli during the summer season, they tend to flowering and sporting faster in the short season, that is. So one experience that we had, uh, April 2021, um, this grower, um, fresh grower down the pokey, they only have us a 15% of broccoli that summer season because the market is slowing down but the market only required a broccoli to be smaller than a cauliflower as, as a, you know, common sense. But that thing can grow twice my head, but still eatable. Mm. Uh, and also it's a packaging issue. You know, the broccoli is losing pack, but still holding in the crates. And every crates can need to be held at least six count or sometimes 25 counts. That means they're quite small size. So once they grow over the size and you only can afford like four counts in the crates, then I don't accept it. And, and isn't that wild, right? Because all it through is. history, if your broccoli got bigger, you had more broccoli to eat. Like, exactly. That's a plus, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and then when the broccoli grow yeah. bigger, they actually not that tight, and tight as, as much. So actually easy to cut, easy to wash it. Mm. And you have lots to eat. To be honest, from one seedlings, mm. 
um, in terms of uh, production ratio, right? But it's not seen that way as as a purpose to feed the people. It's seen the way as how efficient and cost efficient to selling the product. Yeah, and and to fit into an expected model of shape, size, and appearance yeah. rather than nutrition, oh, yeah. good use of land, yeah. good use of resources, yeah. ability to feed people. And also another reason that food becomes such a pageantry is um, all the technology that we are using and the science putting together, it just makes things growing faster. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, in the greenhouse, the tomato, for example, the first picking harvest in the greenhouse, they're not selling anything because the signs of the fertilizer, um, it just boosts up the tomato so big, like really puffy and uh, it feels like they've been working so hard in the gym, that kind of size. <laughs> um, but they are not special um, like beef steak. So the retailer very cautious to selling those on the shelf because people will mistake it and take it home, taste it. It's like, You're, this is not what I imagined. So that's the first to see, first to harvest. And the last harvesting in the greenhouse is also not going anywhere. And but is a tricky one because they don't harvest it after um, probably um, by end of the September-ish. Um, that is the green, greenhouse season almost wrapping up. And uh, October, they just suffocate the entire greenhouse and uh, make sure the plants will die, will dry it out so they can pull it off and compost outside and then eventually burn them down. But there's still fruits hanging there. They may not, the tomato they can sell, but still the fruits that everybody can eat. And isn't that why? And is this the kind of thing where you start to learn a little bit about it. And then the Mm. more you learn, it just keeps getting more and more bananas and unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, last two years, I feel like I've been food bombed (laughs) with all the um, literacies and and the knowledge um, what actually the food is. And I wish everyone could have the same knowledge rather than just buying the food off the shelf. And um, and I heard so many kids nowadays realize that the uh, the cucumbers actually grow inside of plastic wrap. I was like, how are they even possible? Yeah. You know, and then realize that plastic wrap is a, a a particular machine to make sure it's more efficient to wrapping up the uh, cucumbers to able to sell in the market, and the machine. Not everyone can afford it, the, the high-end machine faster enough. So that means selling cucumbers, not only you have to grow them straight and 11 to 16 inch big, you also need to have a really good machine to fast enough to wrap it up. After you, because every single day to vibrate the water from the skin. So it's not saying we don't have enough to cucumbers on the shelf. It's just, you know, the machine could be slow things down. Oh, my word. And so you've got these situations where nearly half of what people are producing that's edible is mm. 
being composted and wasted. Like, and on discovering that, like, yeah. what did you start to do? Because your your day job was working in kind of technology. Like, I worked with you in a tech company yeah, and, um, and loved right. it. Um, and so, you, you know, and, and having grown up around restaurants and knowing the food industry, but not knowing the stuff, you know, like, mm. isn't that isn't that amazing that, that that can be the case? And 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 as you started to get that knowledge, what did you decide to do? Well, maybe just the nature of myself as, you know, a data consultant, you always try to find the insights from the fact and from the data. And the data kind of like telling me there are big picture behind the things. And, but the data is amazing. The only way we can collect the data is back in the field. So nothing else I can do regardless, you know, working the technology um, being more efficient and be optimized, but there's no data. I can't do anything. There's no insights I can pull it out. So that's why I started with gleaning, go back to the farm, harvesting like we used to, gathering every single food, you know, left behind it. Mm-hmm. And so we know how much of food that actually can eatable, because nowadays they simply aren't harvested. Um, and another thing that you mentioned, we, we both work in the technology before and the SaaS companies and all those startups. One thing I learned from that experience is changing is good, but you need to change it at the right moment, faster pace, immediately, regardless of what other people say or what other people already have the proof result. Because you are about to f- discover something new. No one ever seen them before. So how could they agree with you if they never see something? Hardly. It's kind of like the face. If you have face, you will believe in something that you don't see in your eye. You're just knowing it will become. So that's what I have. Only the face. Yeah. Yeah. So the faith that you could get in and do something to make it better. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and as you got in and started gleaning and getting kind of, you know, people to come and harvest and see how much of what was left, what was edible? Like, how do you then connect? Um, how do you connect that? And is it like reliable and regular? Or is it that you get a phone call from someone like, oh, you've got to get in touch with Wendy. She's amazing. She's saving this this uh, produce. Or do you have like regular relationships with growers um, and, and that, that you, you, you go and um, harvest from? Yeah. I mean, even I work in the data sector, but I'm kind of like a really extroverter. A lot talk to people, I guess, growing up in a restaurant, being a waitress all the time. I love to introduce myself to the strangers to get to know what they like to eat, to give my recommendation. And um, the relationship building with Brad Hip, the uh, zucchini farm growers, he landed me up some information, say, pointing me to Pukikohi. And I started looking at Pukikohi which is the size only 0.01% of Auckland, but they produce 26% of veggies for the domestic market. And who is the biggest uh, green veggie grower? Because green veggies, uh, leafy veggie, are most uh, um, high waste. You know, they're very fragile and less of a a community knowing how to eat them. So that is kind of like my target right away. Um, so Island Fawn pops out. They are the biggest one in the pocket, probably among the whole country. So I just called, called them before the Christmas. 
I cold called them. I said I I read the news and I helped the brats. I wanted to help someone close to my home. So, to be honest, I have a faith that growers are very generous people. They don't want to waste the food, but there's no second option. There's just simply no second option. They are twenty four seven works in the farm in and out. They have no second thought to um, to set up Shopify shop, all those kind of things. So it just happens. Um, and on that day, I meet him. Actually, he called me crazy girl, <laughs> uh, like his mom. You know, already ninety six and still trying to sell his old veggies. Um, but I, I take that as a compliment because that's what I wanted to be. Our ancestor, you know, eat like them. Um, but it's not him actually helping me a lot. Is the um, their production manager, Gary E. He's, I don't know, he has the same passion as me, but he worked in that industry and he has understand the struggles every single grower has had. But he just, I don't know, he helpless, you know, he feels helpless. There's no one outside the world will step up. Um, so when I start talking to him, I said, I have this idea, I have this way to do it. And that's what other people are doing on a global scale. This is definitely going to be a success because we are a small country. This is going to be great. And he suddenly just immediately agreed with me and then jumping on board. He said, I'm on the Pukikohi grower uh, community and I'm going to help you and get the words out. And he actually on our trust board for the charity. Ah, that's so cool. And we'll be back in a moment with Wendy Jo to hear about how she built Perfectly Imperfect and how you can get hold of some of this Perfectly Imperfect produce. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Okay, my ano, and welcome back to Business is Boring, where we're with Wendy Joe, the founder of Perfectly Imperfect. And so you'd found this network of growers in Bukekoi and had created um, connections with people who, you know, 
like you, you were just saying, like they live this twenty four seven life. Um, there's no holidays, you know. There's no. no way to get away from the farm, and yeah. there's not really room in life to do much more. The margins are so tight. How did you decide to get in the middle of that and help to create more channels to market for this produce that was previously, um, yeah, previously being turned to compost? What kind of stuff did you get going? Well, I guess. They've been working on the job, you know. They never see from the outside or from the top to to view the things like different, and they hardly doing that. Um, and and as an outsider, I look at the entire food system, and I also searching what the global scale looks like and because the issue that we are experiencing is not solely uh independent you know everywhere in a country like in uk and in states they had experience like this years ago and we all developing the food system like any other country so if they have a solution so do we should apply the same um and I'm also thinking about the feedbacks during the COVID, you know, all the growers standing in front of media, shouting out their sort of talents of food that left behind. They actually saying the true fact, how they traded those food are still edible, are burying them back in the land and composting them. And the feedbacks from the community are fears, you know, furious. They, they are angry about why they're trading food like that. Why don't they go into the farm market? But like we said, they're working on 24-7. Literally, Sunday you visit the farm, they're still working hard packaging for tomorrow's delivery on Monday. There's a non-stop um, to get the food on the shelf. And just thinking that way, I would say, okay, how can I use my expertise as working in the technology as we are also working in the circle round? Anywhere that has to waste our energy, waste our resources to build a product, we figure a way to utilizing them, you know, regenerate it into some other product. So that's the whole idea, beginning of, of the waste and redesign it around the waste and the food that left behind it. It's simply, it can fit all the people, not just certain demographic, you know. Everyone needed to eat the same food, yeah. And what kind of, like, so you've got, tell us about some of the things you have going at the moment. So there's food boxes people can get through mm. the Perfectly Imperfect site. Um, there's kind of mystery boxes, which is really cool. Um, there's also, like, drop-in community centres. There's yeah. connections with, like, um, industry. Like, yeah, what kind of stuff have you set up? Um, so all those initiatives set up to fitting the purpose to left and no food behind and left and no one behind. So the mystery box example is kind of like the life um, if you heard of the life is like a box of chocolate, yeah. a full of surprise. And so does those mystery bo- mystery food that left it behind. No one knows what are they. Even they look so similar, but just can't figure it out. Have we had those turnips has eight legs of one turnip, like a daikon. Yeah. And then if you know the fact that more legs of those root veggie has, they are more sweeter. So it's some real fact that people will really wanted to try to eat. 
But keep it as a mystery is just fit our purpose to easy navigating through um, whenever the food needed to be rescued rather than we fit with our needs, which is that's very commercial way to selling the food. We try to get away. We're not trying to get people to buy the food. We're trying to get people thinking the food that arrives in your door is to give in to you, to give a chance for them to give you the good nutrition for your body and for your soul. Yeah, and that's how we're meant to eat, right? Like yeah. seasonal, seasonal food, the food that is like that's true. plentiful at this yeah. moment, whatever it is, is what we should be eating. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, to be honest, Mystery Box is, is after probably 20 different models we tried it. And uh, I tried to navigate it like uh, at the beginning of the journey of perfect imperfect every probably every two or three days you come to a website it will change again and you know just how fast that i made everything change to get the feed like based on the feedback from the customers you know and um now we have over hundreds weekly subscriptions it's subscription based because we need to have continuities um to keep the commitment to the growers, this is how much, how many people are commitment into mm. promise them we were uh, ready to accept any food that they grow. And that's super cheap, right? It's like they're very yeah. inexpensive boxes and you get no. a lot of value from that, right? Most of the popular boxes as we design it is uh, $21. Uh, you get almost like five kilo or even six a kilo of food um, mixed with the fruit and veggies that in the season. Most of the time, it will be over 15 different kinds. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's wild how good it yeah. is. Yeah. Like, I, it, it, it just to me that you should have a lot more than 100 subscriptions a week. <laughs> I know. Um, but there, there are things that kind of like, um, I, I, it's on purpose, not trying to selling too much at the beginning. We're not, I'm not growing a business to grow in terms of revenue or turnovers. I'm growing a purpose that more people get to know us is the better. So I wanted to make sure every single family on board was our mystery box are actually finding their way uh, for this new type of uh, um, mindset, be perfect and perfect each day. Mm-hmm. So the first 20 families on board was us a year and a half ago. They're still with us. That's how good the customer retention rate that is. Mm-hmm. And talking to a few of those families, and they actually said, um, family of five, they only bought $36 box. So that's our large size. That's enough for their entire week for some veggies supply. And they said they actually eating more and more veggies in the beginning, and their entire dietary and meal planning changed. Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating to, to hear that because I never realized the box of energy getting people to change the way they are eating meals and then serve the meals to their families. And the, and, and the, the parents have said to me, they even start realize the kids are eating more veggie and the fruits and more like easy to accept the new food now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've also got the, the drop-in center that, is a model that you're kind of piloting that you could scale the impact of as well. Hey, tell me how that yeah. works. So that is one of the initiatives happening in the global scale was a really success. Um, 
is paid for. It's community shop, but、uh, rather than a free food bank, preserved、uh, the indignity for everyone comes in, and then also give a chance to、um, to cherish everyone that saying you are worthy enough and、uh, to giving back the community or the people that you wanted to help, even though you just have enough money to feed yourself. So everyone needs to be needed and to be a giver. It's it's much. Big joy for our society, so so I start pilot that shop was、um, sponsored by Kangaroo, and they are building community. They want to make sure the community has a self sustained、um, when they start building up the new houses, bring new families in, make sure the community is tight enough. So that that was a really great、uh, trial for that five months. Um, and、uh, every four minutes that we operated, there's one family comes in to pick up the food,、um, and we only open for eight hours a week, three days. But people just lining up by the door when we start open because、um, everything I try to putting together want to make sure I utilize the resources because that shop is open purely by the volunteers, local volunteer. Um, want to make sure that every single minutes we put in the efforts are efficient enough. So by meaning that the community needed to take efforts, come in on time, and to get the foods out for themselves. And how cool would that be to be, you know,、um, in every neighbourhood, you know, at one of the Kayango Order facilities? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely something、um, our Easy and, and feasible to set it up,、mm. um, but there is a tricky point. It is considering how expensive their、um, retail property lease that will cost us.、Um, so, I breaking that through maybe trial some food trucks, turn the food truck into a shop,、uh, or maybe a trailer shop, yeah, mobile one. We can drive across the street on the. Within two hours, we can serve like a different neighborhood, just like those、uh, ice cream truck comes in.、Yeah. Our neighborhood has. We were gonna pick some song. Yeah, what's your song gonna be? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I love it. Oh, have you heard the song about it?、Um, eat it. They translate it.、Uh, they they change the word from beat it. Yeah. To eat it. Yeah. And I was like, maybe that song could yeah, be really, really. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So if anyone's listening and has a truck they would like to donate, get amongst.、Um, yeah, awesome. And then tell me about some of the larger scale stuff that you do as well, because you're talking thousands of tons of food that you're you're helping divert here through, you know, hundreds of volunteers getting out and gleaning and and picking and getting this in. Like, what are some of the kind of commercial scale side of things? Like,、um, like the cauliflower ice cream is really cool, eh? Yeah. So. By understanding how much food left behind are still eatable, and some food are just once you harvested, you have to process them immediately. And we only have five million people, and the people who actually can consume cauliflower probably only three point five. So that means the food that left behind got fed every single one in New Zealand every single day for next three years. That's not possible,、mm. even though how much you love cauliflower. Just can't bear thinking every day you're gonna eat the cauliflower. <laughs>、um, so that caught my thinking. I need to reconnect it back to my roots, the restaurant, and those、uh, um, food startup companies. 
I know there's a lot, and researching about food data, I realized ah, upcycle food industry actually worth five trillion dollars. They all wanted to building up that five trillion dollars market, but where they get those food coming from? From us? Why not? You know, at the same time, they can save the food that has left behind it. So I start searching: Is there any organization or a, a society doing or pride about the food story? So I called、um, Eat New Zealand by、um, the Kataki Group by Eat New Zealand, which is backed up by the New Zealand Restaurant Association. Perfect match. So I put in my application to be part of that cohort last year, and they accepted. So I started meeting all the chefs, like you know, across the country, all sorts of people doing different food and, and try to telling the stories all together. And I met Melly, who is doing cauliflower ice cream, and been working with her last of twelve months or so, and trial with a different kind. Tag two or tag three, cauliflower different colors, and、uh, see which one are coming. You know, a good impact with cauliflower ice cream taste wise.、Mm. And now finally, we come to launch the successfully in on the、uh, field days, just last week. I went there and see the crowd queued it up. Tried. You know, taste the cauliflower ice cream, getting their mind blowing.、Yeah. And I asked them, "How you feel about that?" They were like, "This is incredible! I can't taste the cauliflower from the cauliflower ice cream. It's just so creamy." So it's it's awesome because the first moment I I, I found out they are making cauliflower, immediately I believe they're gonna be tasty. Because I know my cauliflower is tasty.、Mm. <laughs> Doesn't matter, and especially combining with ice cream that everyone loves so much, I can eat them twenty four seven every day. <laughs> so problem solved.、Uh, yeah. I love it. And how does it feel for you, Wendy, having gone through this journey? Like you know, obviously loving food and growing up, and you know, one of、um, the, the restaurants that put the Balmoral food scene on the map. You know, and、um, and then being a data scientist and working, you know, in some great great companies. Needs in some big roles. Like, how's this journey been for you personally, back into food and being able to see the impact of diverting so much waste and helping give people better nutrition and、um, be- being part of this? How's it been for you?、Um, the moment I I I set up the perfect perfect, hugely because of my children, the way they cherish the food that we gleaning back. I just feel like feeling like I throw half of my children out and don't care of them and let them die. Don't feed them at all. That's exactly how we trade the food left behind the farm. Somebody has to put a lot of effort to grow them, make sure they grow perfectly, which is a means of the nutrients and you know good food to feed our body and soul. Suddenly, someone say they are not good enough because they are too short, they are too big. It just doesn't feel worth it, you know. It's not good enough as as a mom. And also, I feel like I've been all. I'm I'm a Christian, so I'm I'm always chasing the questions. Later this year,、um, since the COVID, what is my purpose on the earth? Why I'm here? 
what his plan for me you know maybe it's a middle aged crisis but you know <laughs> what is a real plan for me his plan he has the time maybe this time is my time for him、mm. to serve him and i just can't believe that you know new zealand has one in five of our children are living in the household that experience food insecurity that shouldn't happen in new zealand and it's not about me cuz um it's about it's about like a who we are as a human being you know are we trying to use technology to help us to getting better and better each day um like i'm data consultant so i use the data to get understand how the business can grow every better day but is it helping us to be a better person next day that's my question so this is for me is more like a calling so i don't I don't set the business of perfect and perfect has a particular strategy planning. The the strategy planning board for us is empty until someone in some community has an issue or stamp on the board, and then we start escalating it. We start fixing that issue and providing solution and finding the network, building together. That's why communicating with commercial business that also. Helping the society grow at the same time, make sure no one left behind just because there's more food that comes in. But it's most important is we every single body need to understand it is、um, we don't own the earth. We're sure we use resources, but we need to be very careful, and、uh, we're not perfect. So being perfect and imperfect, it just perfect enough. Yeah, yeah. So it's more. How to put it that way is is more than、um, me doing a new business or startup. It's is about like a, something I discovered that meaningful to devoting my time and every day that bring my true joy of seeing myself still living.、Mm-hmm. You know,、um, I hope everyone would find the same same goal for their own life as well, and just simply eating those foods are just good enough.、Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we 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 overkilling it, we overkilling it with our generosity, with our kindness, to helping other people to become better, but just let them to be stronger enough to accept it who we are, and treat the food the same way. I think that's everyone can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the goals of the organization,、hmm. like. You know, you've already made such big、um, strides, and it's absolutely bananas that it's not like a national scandal—the amount of food that gets wasted and the way that there's no systems, you know, and or, or you're having to build the systems to to mean that it can be used effectively. What are your big goals, and what 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 would be success for Perfectly Imperfect? Well. <sighs> As we don't have plan, but we do have a goal to working toward is to creating a safe place for everyone to enjoy the food with dignity, and that means everyone, not just consumers, that also including anyone that work in the food system to bring the food in, they also need to preserve at a certain level dignity,、um, and to be said that is、um, left no one behind. That also means the both way. Left no food behind. Left no kids, no family behind. And the growers nowadays only able to sell forty five percent of food that they grow. 
the rest of food is not good enough to sell, but good enough to eat. So eventually, I still gonna go back to the technology and make sure they have efficiency, uh, efficient way to communicate it with the business and with the people who wanted to use the food, and to able to sell or should we say utilize the food they grow for ninety nine percent. Well, we know there is always one percent of waste for any kind of reasons, but definitely not fifty five percent. You know, from the from the productions, packaging, and the distributions. Um, and um, I think everything's ready. I just need needed to have a break through it, and like you know, a kind of like a revolution. And all the revolution in the, in the history, it started with the people power. So it's not waiting government to call the policy change. That'll be too late. There'll be some time that we have to go to Mars that time. Um, but people power that now will redirect it, the entire food system to re-looking at what are we actually already growing. Should we really growing 60% more food to feed people like 90.6 billion by 2050? Or should we just revisit and make sure that we use everything? Mm. And, and how many people in New Zealand would have to get involved with what you're doing to actually fix food waste? Only 2.6%. Yeah, that's, of, that's amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I love doing the numbers and uh, doing the data crunching. Um yeah, it just seems like we're a small country. We won't have five million people. We never solve this because we grow enough food to feed forty million people. But we don't actually waste the whole thing, right? Sixty percent of our produce actually export already, so it's not too many left behind it in that sense. But for me, to change everyone's mindset because that's very powerful. Once two point six percent of population, which in turn is 120,000 people, change their mindset, they can influence the rest of the population easily. Everyone has connections. Everyone has families. Like, you know, in New Zealand, everyone's a cousin. And, and like, everyone should, like, know gardening themselves. Like, when you garden, you don't get five things that look the same and look perfect and, like, store-bought, you know? It's the it's the oddity, not the norm. Like, yeah. you, you, you know, like, it should be um, – it, it makes so much sense that food isn't going to look like – supermarket food the whole time when it's been grown and the stuff that doesn't fit that mold is delicious and good and nutritious and and good yeah so um yeah that that everyone should be getting the mystery box yeah i think yeah like it's not everyone can grow their own food mm. nowadays mm. since since the um the city plan has changed so more and more people are living in the condo apartment mm. um that's why um, for me to targeting the first batch of the customer, uh, targeting the customer who are uh, related and associated with community garden society, mm. you know, any community has their own community garden, that would be our um, primary goal to reaching out, to change their mindset. Well, you like apply for 2080 principle. This will be more efficient way to do it. Mm. Yeah. It's not best group of people to selling the food, but it's the best group of people to getting to understand another set of the story behind the scenes. Yeah. And as a final thought, Wendy, what will success be for you? For me? Yeah. Oh, because I'm 
I'm not doing this for me. If you say it's a success for me, I guess um, I just had my first TED talk last week, Saturday, and hear more feedback from audience. That was already a success. I cherish every steps of the small success every single week. Um, but I guess for the big picture, I would say perfect and perfect will get into the supermarket. You know, I know they can't change their model because they are already profitable. Why change something profitable? But they can't adapt to us. We can be a shelf, you know, the shelf of behind the scenes in front of the shelf. Mm. Um, that would be cool. And um, I guess the success will be 20 years later when my kids having their families they would able still access to the food that, you know, ordinary as who they are. I think that would be the huge success. Yeah. Otherwise, I can't imagine 20 years later what kind of food will be left on the shelf. Yeah, love it. Well, I can't wait to see where you take it next. Thanks so much for sharing the story of Perfectly Imperfect so far. That's Wendy Jo Gilbert. Thank you. So thank you to Wendy, thank you for listening, and to everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Samuel Robinson. Do follow Businesses Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. Enohora. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Businesses Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Businesses Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, te aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.